Scotty Sharp, he is the host of Gardening Talkback today. And Scotty, I know you're fired up, ready to take millions and millions of calls. That's what we want. We want people ringing up, asking questions. It's spring. There must be lots of stuff to do out in the garden now. So, uh, yeah, please ring up with your questions. But we also have some other things we might discuss today. Uh, basil, it's time to get out and plant those. All sorts of different varieties, so we'll discuss those. Geranium's another great plant for uh, spring and summer. And if you've got yellowing gardenias, because you will have it this time of year, how to help them out. Good afternoon, Ross at Tanilba. You have some pH problems. What's happening, Ross? Yeah, well, I, I planted some lettuce seedlings over a week ago, and they seem to be struggling. Now, after lunch, I'm going to go out and do get my soil tester out and test them. And I was just... I'm not sure if the pH level's low... What should I be adding to the soil, or if it's high, what should I be adding? Yeah, look, that, that's probably a good idea. I, do, I don't know that the pH of the soil would be affecting little lettuce seedlings after only a week, but let's let's try and sort it out anyway. So for lettuce, you want just a nice neutral pH uh, yeah. around seven, six and a half, maybe is about as low as you'd let it go down. So if you've got a low pH, that means it's acidic and you need to add some lime to the soil to bring it uh, back up, make it more alkaline. And if you've got an alkaline soil, which is, means you know that it's quite high, a high number there, uh, you need to add some sulphur to the soil to uh, bring that pH back down. Sulphur? Sulphur, yes. That's what makes it more acidic. No worries. Yeah. You, can, you can add cow manure if you want to but if it's because cow manure is largely you know slightly acidic um, but if you've got you know some big numbers you need to move around um, then I think it's important that you use sulfur to you know move it uh, quite a lot. Yeah no worries and the other question I had what fertiliser would you recommend to give my buffalo grass a boost? I've got patches in the yard where it's beautiful, lush green, and then next to it, there's patches where it's sort of grey and struggling, if you get what I mean. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Uh, look, there's so many different fertilisers out there. Um, and they all work really, really well. You can get liquid fertilisers if you want to do that. You can also get, you know, the old number 17 style ones, but you have to make sure they're watered in very well because if you don't, they can actually burn your soil. Yeah. One of the ones that I quite like, uh, the slow release ones, I won't mention any particular brand names, but I actually quite like them because they come in a smaller bag and you don't have to use as much of it. So you're not carrying around like those big number 17 style bags. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just my inherent laziness coming out there, Ross. <laughs> Probably going to appeal to a lot of people as well, I should imagine. Um, look, the, the other thing you can do is if uh, you've got some poultry manure, you can use poultry manure as well. But make sure you get a heat-treated poultry manure that's, uh, you know, in a bag. Um, because you don't want it just from, you know, collecting up because they might have been eating seeds or weed seed, yeah. and then that goes through your, so through your grass. So, yeah, well, uh, I, it, I sprayed it with weed and feed here or a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And um, But I've still got these horrible grey patches, and I thought now should be the time of year to um, put some uh, fertiliser on. So 
just any any form of slow release, you reckon? Yeah, all the all the poultry manure. Look, the the weed and feeds, they're fantastic, but uh, it's a bit like uh, you know how would you describe it? Like a shot of a shot of adrenaline in the arm for for your lawn. It's not a, a long-lasting, uh, you know, diet that's going to build up the muscle and make your lawn stronger. It's just going to give you that really quick boost, the lawn that really quick boost of energy. Green it up, uh, but yeah, look to actually give it a lot more longevity. You need to be using the poultry manure or those other sort of fertilisers. Thanks, Ross. All the best there, and good afternoon, Alan at Hawks Nest. Uh, how can we help you there, Alan? Yes. Uh... I've been buying just cheap cotton mix on his side because I uh, heard your wife on that talking about anything over 10 is all right. So I bought this good stuff and next thing you know, it's full of that fungus gnats. Yes. Yeah, so I'm just wondering how to get r- r- rid of them. I know they're a bit unsightly and they fly out and some sort of things, they sort of eat the uh, little fine roots of the indoor plants because... Yeah, look, to, to do that, I'd actually be um, mixing up a, a, a little drench um, of pyrethrum in the watering can and just yeah. generally watering that down through the soil of the plant. You know, obviously you don't want it running down and, you know, through the saucer, but uh, I, I think a little drench like that, just a general sprayer with pyrethrum is going to be the way to get rid of those gnats. Ah, good. No, well, yep. That's what I thought. I just bought some of that. I just wanted to make sure that was the right thing because I'm only just experimenting with indoor plants at the moment. Yeah, look, indoor plants always get a good potty mix. It's you know, it's the old thing. You only get what you pay for. So, uh, yeah, always try and buy, a, a, you know, the best potty mix you can uh, and one that's suited to the particular, um, you know, the particular plant that you're going to be uh, using it for. All the best with that, Alan. As we head to Turalba, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Dell. We've got you on with Scotty Sharp at the moment. You've got a question on blueberries, Dell. Yes, please. Um, yes, it's, um, we get them really good, getting going good, and then the birds take the blueberries, of course. Yeah, but we've had a net that we have put over them. But, yeah, but we've just taken them off a little while. But um, I've just cut the stems down a bit with all the dead um, like sticks and that out of it. Is that the right thing to do? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, blueberries, you know, they're not deciduous. They're sort of a little bit semi-deciduous, um, you know, for us here in the, uh, you know, Hunter region. Uh, so they will lose their leaves and just get a little bit unsightly in winter. So giving it a little prune back is a fantastic thing to do. It's also yeah. going to promote flowering on that new growth as well. So you, when you get flowers, you're going to get more blueberries. So that's exactly what you want. Um, look, as far as the birds, I can't really suggest too much for that, except for except for the netting. Um, but look, otherwise, blueberries are one of the easiest plants that you will grow. Uh, you can grow them in a pot in a, in the ground. Uh, try and get them out of the you know that afternoon sun a little bit. And uh, look, they virtually have no pest and disease. They look after themselves. You go out there day after day and just keep on picking blueberries. And I can assure you there's nothing tastier than a blueberry straight off the plant. But if you've got to go out there and fight the uh, the birds, well, uh, you just have to get out and do that. Della just must mean that you're growing some really nice tasting ones if the birds are getting in first. That's right, yes. <laughs> and do you give them a feed or is there any water that you should keep water up to them? Or? Most definitely because you want to keep those little blueberries nice and juicy. So make sure they're being really regularly watered. Uh, yes. As far as fertiliser, just an all-round uh, liquid fertiliser that's high in potash so that you get lots and lots of flowers and lots yes. of blueberries. Right, okay. So they're, they're, shortly, they're partly in the sun, like uh, it's sort of 
Um, it's got the awning over it, so yes. it gets a bit of sun in the morning, but then in the afternoon, of course, we've got the, the shade, of the back awning. Yeah, look, that, that should be all right. Obviously, a little bit more sun than that might be, you know, preferable, you know, that the sun was going off it, for instance, you know, in about three o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, uh, yes. But maybe, if you, have you got them in pots? So you must, you must yeah, have a big pot, yes. Yeah, pot. okay, so you can't yeah. really move it around. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, a little bit more sun than that might be preferable because it's only going to help the plant uh, fruit and flower for you. Oh, yes. I notice all the little twigs, they're all coming, little shoots coming off every one of them. Yeah, look at that. And that's it's spring. It's, everyone wants to do it at the moment. All the plants are having a crack at it. Yes, I will. I will anyhow, that's helped a bit. Thanks very much, Scott. Okay. Thank you very yep. much for the call, Del. Yeah, appreciate it. And hopefully Del might be able to bring in a couple of punnets. Scotty, what do you think? Well, look, that's the unspoken rule, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you get we answer the question, we get some sort of recompense. Absolutely. All right, uh, Wayne from Cessnock, you have a question for Scotty today. What's happening, Wayne? Yeah, good afternoon, Scott. Um, I'm doing a new build, and I was just wondering, I've read a little bit of an article about mineral magic. Is it all cracked out to what it's supposed to be? Oh, uh, look, I... I... <laughs> Look, yes, and you know, it, it does it does work for you, but I think you know really no more than uh, you know sort of uh, you know trace elements or just any sort of really good um, fertilizer for the garden. Um, look, it is going to work for you, but uh, look, no better or worse than than anything else out there. Good afternoon, Don at Murrayweather. You have a question on citrus trees today, Don. Yes. Um, good afternoon, Scotty. I have. A number of citrus trees in the backyard, as you are aware, you've been up there pruning them and you had a close encounter with the thorns on my lemon tree. Um, Everything's in bloom. Can I fertilise them or should I leave them alone? Yeah, look, Don, I am of the belief that uh, when a plant is in flower like that, uh, that yep. you actually just leave them alone and water them, just, you know, keep them nice and moist uh, yep. because if they do dry out or, you know, if we get those winds as well, those drying winds, the first thing the plant does to uh, to try and survive is to uh, drop all their flowers. So really, yep. really important just to, um, you know, keep it well watered. I think if you're fertilising when they're in flower, it actually overloads the plant and might stress it out and uh, lead to uh, blossom drop. So I, yep. again, I just think with the water um, and uh, leave this time of year, you know, alone for fertilising. Fair enough. And has anybody got any ideas on how to stop possums or... God only knows what from denuding citrus trees. I have uh, counted in excess of 80 uh, lemons taken off the tree and discarded on the ground. Half the time, the skin is eaten all off them and then they just drop the fruit on the ground. Or they take the skin off the fruit on the tree and you look at the tree and there it is, uh, in a in a with uh, a white coated uh, lemon, they they've taken the skin off and left some of the pith on it, and the, the lemons have gone from a yellow colour down to a white colour. Yeah. Now, Don, how big are your trees? Because I mean, the only real way to keep possums away is to actually net them. Uh, but to do that as well, you need to, you know, have the net draping right down to the ground. So have you got big, tall citrus trees at the moment or have you kept them no, down? No, no, I've got them trimmed down. But there's only one thing wrong with the net. Um, I've put uh, 
plastic cages yes. around the fruit to protect them. And the next time, well, the next day or so, I find that the side is ripped out of it. So uh, it's whether it's the possums or something else, like it might be a rat or a rot, I don't know. But... Uh, yeah, look, the, the the rats also can be a problem as well. Um, I've I've been documenting my my battle with the the rat at my place for the last few months <laughs> because the next door neighbour let some passion fruits grow up into the tree and uh, just didn't the rats love those. So I've been yep. battling quite a lot. So that can be a problem. But look, the only way if you think they are possums is to you know prop prop the uh, net up over the top of the tree. And uh, make sure that it's you know well sealed around the ground. All right, best of luck uh, with all of that, Don. Well, look, we we'll stick with the citrus vibe here. As uh, L from Madawi, you've got a question, L on lemon trees. <clears throat> yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I've got an exceedingly old uh, lemon tree that was here when we bought the property. Um, I estimate it might be forty years old. Yes. Um, and it was okay for a few years. But in the last few years, all it's done is send up really long branches and shoots off those, producing a lot of fruit. But the fruit is of very poor quality. It's got very thick skins, not particularly juicy. Um, and there seems also to be some white ant, maybe, or an ant living in the main body of the tree. Okay, sounds like it's time for a good old prune back of that lemon tree, L. Um, have yep. you done any pruning with it? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. How, mm-hmm. Now, how savage have you been? Because you can be very, very savage with, with citrus trees. And Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking about taking it fairly much back to its original trunk. Yes, look, I think that's a great idea. Uh, oh, okay. you, you could even prune the plant, you know, almost... You know, you know, down to you know one point eight two meters high, sort of thing, and just let right. it bush back out from there because you'll get lots of fresh new growth, uh, yeah. and you know, you obviously all the new the bark will be new and lovely and soft, so you won't have insect incursions. Mm-hmm. And citrus trees only really fruit on the new growth anyway. So if you let a, a yeah. lemon tree or any citrus just get taller and taller and taller. The, the mm. fruit's just up the top of the plant and very yeah. hard to look after, fruit fly, et cetera, et cetera. So I think a really good prune back is a fantastic idea for you. Yeah, uh, Look, at that point in time, also, uh, you know, just seal off any wounds with a product called SteriPrune. It's a tar-based paint that stops any pest and disease getting in where you've done any pruning. Where the pruning cuts are. Yeah, so really important to do that. And then just make sure it's really well watered. Once, you know, after, you know, maybe one or two months and you've got some nice new fresh growth going on there, I'd Mm -hmm. get a whole lot of poultry manure and dump it around the tree. Right. And also some trace elements as well. Um, That that will certainly help the plant. Uh, Getting your trace elements right um, and having, you know, all the right minerals there in the soil reduces Mm. the rind of the the lemon as well and can then increase the juiciness of it. So I think, yeah, look, a lot of poultry manure and then some trace elements watered into the soil will do the trick for you. G'day, Alan. Are you looking for a... uh, You've got a question on tomatoes and fruit fly today. Yeah, yes, I have. Uh, You know how sometimes early in the piece you get the cutty worm gets in in the tomato? Yes, yes. I'm just wondering... What you should spray that 
to stop that mouth in or something like, like that. Yeah, look, you, you can spray with Malathon. Um, I'd probably just start spraying with pyrethrum. No, it's a little, yeah, yeah, it's a little yeah, bit yeah, softer. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not sort of harming the bees out no, there. No, as much no, as, no, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. yeah, so look, I'd be doing that. But look, it really is a two-pronged approach with fruit fly. And, you know, anecdotally, you hear people, uh, you know, infesting your tomatoes earlier and earlier, uh, you know, even when they're green and still hard, yeah, yeah, you still yeah, hear yeah. stories about that. So, yeah. But I think it's the two-pronged approach. You need to trap as well. So trap, yeah. you, you can get, um, you know, you know, proprietary traps out traps, there that yeah. you, you can buy from your local garden centre. Mm. Uh, you can also make up your own as well. If yeah, you want with, to. The two, with the two funnels and that and the banana and stuff down there. Yeah, you can do that with the banana. Yeah. You can also do it with a bit of Vegemite and some Malathon and make up a yeah. little paste. Uh, yeah, and that yeah. attracts the female in there to the Vegemite, the yeasty sort of thing, or the banana. Uh, yeah, and they yeah. get in there, they can't, you know, they can't get out, and then the, uh, yeah. the fumes of the the chemical kills them. So mm-hmm. you really need to be doing both of those things both to keep, those, yeah, yeah. keep fruit fly under control. Yeah. Um, any old fruit, you know, that's lying on the ground. Yeah, naturally. Like, yeah, I understand that. So there's no advantage in having a net right from the word go uh, over the the baby plants. Uh, look, uh, you can net if you want to. I don't know that it's going to keep the fruit fly necessarily no, no. under control, but I, I think you're better to do that two-pronged approach of the of the spray and the trapping. All right, best of luck with that, Alan. Good afternoon, Morris at Lakelands. Uh, what's happening with your fig leaf plant, Morris? Well, I uh, had it. It was growing really large, so I had to repot and separate it, but the piece that was separated off didn't really have a lot of root. I've repotted it in a very good potting mix, sea sold it, watered it, cut some leaves off, but it's still looking pretty limp, and I was wondering whether I should cut it back a lot more. So, Morris, what are you talking about, a fig? Is it an edible fig or one of the... Uh... No, 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 it's not a fig, it's just a big-leafed plant. Ah, uh, like the, the fiddle-leaf fig, we call them. Is that the one you're talking about? Sorry, I didn't get that. No, it's called the fiddle leaf fig, I think we're talking about. Yeah, it's got quite big leaves on it. Yep, that's that's the one. The, the, the original plant's probably about 15, 16 years old. Oh, excellent. Okay. Well, and look... It, and the original part's growing really well because it had, still had plenty of root. This one had minimal root. And I was... I thought I'd give it a go... Yeah, well, look, you've done uh, all, you've done all the right things, but I mean, unfortunately, sort of therein lies your problem. The uh, the bit that you've split off only has a very small root system, so yeah, you might just have to you know prune that you know the top of it back a little bit more, just so that the root yep. system can actually support what's there. Yeah, uh, because yep. it, it might be at the moment that the, it just can't get in enough nutrient or enough moisture to satisfy yeah. you know what you've got up above the ground so, so i'll cut it i'll cut it back pretty heavily eh? yeah i think that's going to be the way for you look expect for some some leaves to drop off or whatever but just keep on watering it and then hopefully yep. you'll get some new shoots and off it will go again for you thanks a lot scott that'll okay. be fine okay good on you morris thanks for the call a couple of calls coming through helen and tamara hang on uh, to the phone we'll get to you very very shortly uh, that's a promise. But first up, Lynn at Weston. What's happening with your rhododendron, Lynn? Oh, hi, Mark. Nothing. I was just wondering whether I can grow from a cutting, um, how long a cutting, and blah, blah, blah. When should I do it, please? <laughs> <laughs> I love your open-ended question. We could just talk about anything now. We'll talk about the blur, blur bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can grow uh, rhododendrons from cuttings. Uh, uh-huh. Look, 
so yeah, give it a crack. Um, you can uh, you, you know use a, a rooting powder if you want to, a little, and you dip your, the end of the cutting into that. Uh, that stimulates root growth. Uh, you can also use honey as well. I've heard that uh, to be um, a, a suitable thing to get the uh, the plant growing, a little cutting growing. What you're best to do is, um, you know, just get some uh, cutting, you know, potting mix because uh, it's generally fairly well drained. So it won't sit there and get soggy. And uh, just fill up some pots, get multiple cuttings, just don't use one. Try and get mm-hmm. it from up towards the top of the plant where it's you know still sort of green, but the bark has started, has started to harden off. Yep. And uh, just use those there, dip them into whatever you're going to use, the cutting powder or the honey, uh, and then just water as normal. Um, don't have them in a saucer of water. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after a few weeks, you'll probably get to start to see some little buds coming from those. Leave right. them in, in the pots for quite some time because you don't want to start to disturb them until you've actually seen, uh, you know, almost roots coming down the bottom of the pot. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, okay. Uh, yeah. Now and again, so, you might want to actually tip one upside down and see if you can get it, you know, off and see if there's actually roots spreading through the soil. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's when you go and uh, stick them in the ground. So I wait until it's finished flowering i mean still got about a half a dozen more buds to open up so if i leave it until they're all finished and then take the cuttings yeah absolutely uh that's the time to do it um you're doing really well you're at weston a great place to grow rhododendrons um they don't really like the humidity too much so uh they're a little bit like azaleas as well they get the the red spider on them you know that little mite that makes them very silvery so uh if you've got a nice doing well yeah mine's doing beautifully and as i've had more flowers this year than ever before and it's probably about seven year old oh that's fantastic look they are such a beautiful plant if you can get them to flower so many different Mm -hmm. colors and varieties so uh great uh, work so if you tell us how you go with the cuttings in a few weeks time Lynn. i will thank you very very much have a great day and we didn't even get into the blur blur no, well, that's a bit, that was the most interesting part. Yeah. <laughs> next time, next time. <laughs> next time. Thank you. All Thanks, right, Lynn. good on you, Lynn. And uh, kind of next door at Curry Curry, Helen, you have a question on lemon trees today, Lynn. Yeah, um, my lemon tree, it's loaded with lemons and they're lovely, but really, really thick skin. Is it the type of lemon I've got or is it deficient in something? Yeah, look, that, that can actually be a, a deficiency in the lemon. It can be a boron deficiency. What I'll be doing, rather, I'll just be getting some trace elements and uh, sprinkling those around and then watering those down through the soil. Now, is the, the plant in a pot or in the ground? No, it's in the ground and it's only about oh, three or four year old. It's not very old, but it's a lovely big tree and I've got beautiful lemons but really thick skin yeah so look i'd get those trace elements do that also some poultry manure as well citrus love poultry manure so you know a bag or even two bags sort of spread around the drip drip line of the plant and then watered in with those trace elements uh that you know over time will cure the the problem for you it's not uh, you know sort of a magical thing um but uh you know for next season if you start feeding the plant up that way it will uh, uh help the uh the thickness of the rind all right, best of luck, Helen. Uh, 49216216, we may have time to squeeze one more in if you have a, a gardening question today uh, on Gardening Talkback. Tomorrow at Quarrabalong, you have a, a question for Scotty on passion fruits today. I do. Good afternoon. Um, we've recently moved and we had two amazing passion fruit vine at our previous home. And I'm just wondering how I can go about do I dig them up? Do I propagate them? How do I take them with us? Yeah, look, you, I wouldn't be digging them up. Now, okay. were those passion fruit vines tomorrow, were they of the grafted variety or were they seed-grown, do you know? I, 
Oh, great question. They were from Bunnings, <laughs> but they just grew incredibly and the passion fruit were amazing. Okay, so look, what what I would do in that case, um, if we don't know, because grafted ones you can't sort of just, you know, you're, you're only taking the top part of the plant, not necessarily the root system that, you know, they've yeah. been grafted onto. Uh, so mm-hmm. look, what I would do is I'll just take some cuttings from the plant, um, yeah. you know, up towards the top. Um, where you're seeing a little bit of leaf growth, you know, where the bark might be starting just to harden up for you. Yeah, um, yeah. Take multiple cuttings because you've got plenty of passion fruit vine to do that from. Uh, you can use a cutting um, compound or hormone then. You can dip the cuttings into that, some honey if you want to as well. I've heard that that does the trick. Yeah. And uh, just do those in pots. Uh, and then once you see the root system and the plant starting to grow, uh, that's when you would transplant. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much. Take multiples. Don't just depend on one or two um, because you'll be sure to get some that don't make it. Yeah, okay, of course. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Tamara. Well, look, uh, some great calls coming through today, Scotty. We're almost uh, at the very end. We may squeeze one more in with about uh, 60 seconds to go. But, look, uh, you didn't get to any of your topics today. They'll, they'll, we'll just put keep them on in the microwave next week. We can keep them warm. I, look, yep. I'm quite happy to, to talk about them now if you need to. But <laughs> No, look, we have one last caller. Good afternoon, Graham at Cessna. In about 60 seconds, Graham, what's your hibiscus question for Scotty today? Um, it's a deciduous one. And uh, we have a lot of trouble with uh, grubs on it. Uh, look, okay, okay Graeme. Uh, look, one of the things you can do um, with your deciduous hibiscus, so you do have like a really nice soft, juicy leaf that the grubs do, do like. Uh, you could use a pyrethrum spray if you wanted to, nice and safe to use. But something even safer to use is a product, um, well, it's called Dipel. Uh, and, and it's actually a, a bio product that's specifically to get rid of grubs and caterpillars. So even if you've got, uh, you know, bees or other insects sort of lurking around your hibiscus, uh, if yep. you're spraying with Dipel, it's not going to harm those other insects. So it's a great, safe thing to use. All right, best of luck with that, Graham. And that, with that, Scotty, we have run slap bang out of time. It's been another roller coaster ride. It really has. Scotty, we'll look forward to hearing you next week, mate. Have a great uh, week yourself. Okay. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.